Good morning. For any of the new faces we have out there today, I just want to say welcome. My name is Julie. I'm a deacon here at the church, and it is my honor to read the scripture reading for you today. We are reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, which is on page 831 in your Red Pew Bibles. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who will work in you to will and act according to his good purpose. God bless the hearing of his word. Good morning. Good morning. It's so cold. My hands are freezing. We have no heat at our house yet, um, so I'm really cold. And they, they say, cold hands, warm heart. Uh, no, when I have cold hands, I'm cold all over. <laughs> My heart might be warm, but I don't know. I can't get to it because I'm so cold. Um, what do we do when we have cold hands? Rub them. Put them in our pockets. Yeah, I had to wear a dress today with pockets to keep my hands warm. Um, but sometimes if I don't have pockets, what do you do? Blow on them. Have, just have cold hands. I, I pull my hands into my, yeah, make a little muff out of my sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who else had something to say? Yeah. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, it's important to keep our hands taken care of when it's cold, right? So sometimes we use some things like these. Some snow boots, too. Some gloves to keep your hands warm. 
Right. So you don't, yeah, you don't want your feet and your socks to get cold or wet so you wear boots. But for your hands, we use gloves, right? And this young man always has cold hands. Always. He sweats everywhere else, but he's always got cold hands. Can you come put these on for me? Look. Got to get those fingers in there. There's a dinosaur on there. Can you get them on? Gloves are wonderful things. They keep our hands warm. Once you get them on, right? Um, when your hands are warm, each finger has its own cozy little, uh, almost like a sleeping bag to keep it warm, right? Like finger sleeping bag covers, that's right. And we can still do things. Oh, sleeping bag cubbies, okay. So gloves are wonderful, they keep our hands warm. Except when I wear gloves, my hands still aren't warm. And I end up doing this. Anybody ever do that with your floppy fingers? Because they keep your hand down in here to keep them warm. Well, that's why we have yeah. mittens. Mittens are wonderful because each finger has each other to keep warm with. And I was thinking, okay, you want to try these? These might be easier. Mittens might be easier to get on, especially when your hands are cold. Here, why don't you put a mitten on one hand and a glove on the other? And we'll see which one is better. You see, when I put a glove on, I can use my fingers to do things, but my fingers get cold. I don't like that. When I wear mittens, I still can do things with my hands. They just, they all have to work together. When I do this, they can work independently, but when I do this, they work together. They stay warmer. Yeah. And I think there's a thumb, right? Um, gloves look lovely. These are very pretty. They have a nice pattern to them. And they're actually kind of fuzzy and warm on the inside. These are kind of plain, and they're not very fuzzy, but they're very warm. And a lot of times, adults don't like to wear mittens. But I can tell you, I had to go buy gloves today because I don't own gloves. I only ever wear mittens. And I'm a grown-up, I think. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. But um, when we wear mittens, our fingers are together, they're warm. It's like the love of God has enfolded them in a unity so that his love can warm us. And you know what? Independently, our fingers can do things, but when we work together, we do a whole lot more. Oh, oh you need some help. Okay. You can help. Let's try putting the right glove on the right hand, though. It might help. Here's the other glove. You want the two mittens? You know what? Mittens are better, aren't they? Yeah. So, when you go out to buy mittens and gloves this year, remember, working together shares the love of God together. Instead of being caught up in our own independent world where we're still a little cold. Yeah, we can do things and we get busy doing them. But God wants us to remember and care for each other. Yeah. 
you can't do that with a mitten on, but you can with gloves. Yeah. So which one is better, mittens or gloves? Yes? <laughs> well, you know, there are some people I know, there are some people I know that put gloves on and then put mittens over top. You have your hand up back there? What do you think? Mittens are better than gloves? I think so. But the other thing with mittens is that you can put it over your gloves if they're big enough. And so you have double. And I think that that's a pretty amazing thing. You want to try that? Well, we'll try that when we go downstairs. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your direction for us to help each other, to care for each other, to work together. We know that many hands make light work. And it's important for us to work together, to care about each other. So help us not to be like fingers in a glove that do our own thing and are only short of one, but to be like fingers in a mitten that keep each other warm and keep the love of you flowing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this chance to hear from your word. I pray that you will help me to speak clearly and help all of us to have open ears and hearts to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of years ago, maybe actually a few years ago, around eight or so, I read an article um, interviewing a couple who used to be Christian worship leaders, but they had walked away from the faith entirely. They decided that they were no longer Christians. And that's what the interview was about. I don't really remember a whole lot about the interview except for one part where the wife said something like, I still really love the way of Jesus. I just don't see the value of Christianity anymore. I don't know how this woman would define the way of Jesus, but I'm kind of curious to know how you guys would define that. What is the way of Jesus? Love? Kindness? Peace? Truth? The right way. <laughs> That's true. Um, salvation. Okay, so these are all really good words, and they're true about the way of Jesus, but I feel like you could say all of them and still not really know what that means, right? And maybe that's why this woman could be so kind of vague about it. I told my parents about this article <clears throat> that I had read, and uh, particularly this quote, and my dad said, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And I'll probably never forget that, because he's right. That is the way of Jesus. The way of the cross does not sound great, um, but we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. Can we, first of all, can we assume that Jesus' way and God's way are the same? Okay, why? Be 
Yes, because Jesus is the human expression of God. Jesus is God in human form on earth. Um, Jesus is God as a human. So the way of Jesus is the way of God. I think that is important to remember when we sometimes get, if we're reading the Old Testament and God seems kind of mean, and then we read the New Testament and Jesus seems kind of nice, and we're like, they're, they're different. They're not different. Jesus expresses in himself everything that is in the nature of the Father and the Spirit. So, okay, so Jesus' way, God's way, it's all one and the same. The way of the cross. Now, how would you define God's will? Okay, perfect. Painful. <laughs> Righteous. Okay, that none should perish, all should come to eternal life. That, yes, okay, so that is adjacent to what I'm, I'm thinking. What is the difference between God's way and God's will? Okay. Okay, that sounds reasonable. Barbara says, his will is what he wants to have happen, and, the, and his way is how you get there. That, we can work with that. So God's way, I, I named this sermon, I always name the sermon before I write it, and so sometimes I think it could have been called something better, but, um, <laughs> but I kept it this week. Um, God's way, actually, more than God's will, has been coming up for me a lot this week. And on Tuesday mornings, we meet on Zoom, a small group of us, and we're reading through the Psalms again. We're on the second time around. Um, and we were looking at Psalm 18 this week, and verse 30, the beginning of verse 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. And we talked about that a little bit in that Zoom call. And then our responsive reading, if you look at it in your bulletin, verse 4 of Psalm 25 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. I don't know if you guys remember a few months ago um, talking about the what would Jesus do question, and my and I did not make this up. I got it from somewhere. can't remember who. Sorry, whoever that was. Um, the question, a better question than what would Jesus do is, what would Jesus do if he were you? If what would Jesus do if he were me? God wants to, God made us in his image because God wants to express himself through each of us. And we're all different from each other, and he wants to express himself in each of us in the way that he made us to be. That is how we become the most true version of ourselves. The best version of ourselves is by becoming like Jesus, but... Jen version, or Mary version, or Rachel version, or David version of Jesus. So, I'm going to tell you the point of this whole sermon, you know, in case you fall asleep. The point of this whole sermon is, God's will for us is to live God's way. Within this life, with our personalities and gifts, that God has given us, and God's way is most clearly depicted in Jesus, and it is the way of the cross. 
So we're looking at Philippians 2, 1 through 13, mostly 1 through 11. And it, this passage starts with the word, therefore. And you may have heard this before. I didn't make this up either. Um, if you see in the Bible a passage that begins with the word, therefore, look before it so you can find out what it's there for. So last week, so we're going to do that. We're going to just touch really briefly on what we talked about last week. Last week, Paul was in prison, and he had a little conundrum. He was trying to decide which was better of two options. What, what was his problem? What's that? Right. Is it better for me to be executed so I can be face-to-face -face with Jesus, who I love, I'm just crazy about, or... Is it better for me to be freed from jail so I can continue to help people who remind me of Jesus? And so in verses, in chapter 1, verses 27 to 28, he said, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. What is the sign? Okay, acting like Christ, specifically, loving, yeah. So he's talking about unity, faith, Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. This is what the, the deep love for and faithfulness to God expressed in love and faithfulness to each other. Whatever happens, that is the sign to the people who don't know Jesus yet that God is going to save his people. So now, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore, if you're in unity in the Spirit and you're loving each other, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So basically, he's saying, if, if you're getting anything good out of this whole being reconciled to God thing, that makes me happy. And I would be even more happy if also you were working toward being united with each other in your love and in your perspective through Jesus Christ. Specifically, don't put yourself first. Put each other first verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In other words, be like Jesus. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on into this thing which most people think is probably an early Christian hymn, he probably didn't write it himself. Maybe he did. Um, but it's written, kind of looks like a poem when you read it in the, in the Bible. 
It's funny because he says, have the same mindset as Jesus, but then he describes Jesus doing something. This is way more than a mindset. This is a way. Jesus' way is the same as God's way, which leads to God's will being done. What is the way? This hymn that Paul quotes here is, explains what Jesus' way is. He knew who he was, first of all, but he didn't use it to his own advantage. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He knew he was God, the Son of God. He could have come here and said, listen, I'm God, the Son of God. You guys have been screwing this up for millennia. I'm going to fix it. You got to do things my way. But he did not do that. He didn't pull rank, even though of any human being that ever lived, he had the most right to do that. He did tell people in context that God was his father, but he did not go around getting all Roman emperor on people and forcing them to get with the program. The Roman emperors at this time, I mentioned this last week, we're telling people that they are God, and they're trying to make, especially Christians, because Christians weren't doing this, and Jews, um, trying to make these people worship them as God. Jesus, who actually was God, did not do this. In fact, he actually did the opposite. The hymn goes on, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He didn't show up like God. He didn't even show up like an important person. Not a religiously important person, not a politically important person. He showed up like a servant, or like some translations say, a slave. He was, at best, an obscure blue-collar man from an obscure group of people ruled by an empire, and so effectively he and his people were slaves to the Roman Empire. He was not wealthy ever. He was not, in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't even really that well known. We read the stories in the Gospels and we have crowds of people following him and he feeds 5,000 men and not including women and children. And so there's a lot of people, but we know this from even right now, Israel is a tiny, tiny country. In the grand scheme of things, he was not that well known until after he died and was resurrected and his followers started telling people about him. So he just wasn't, he didn't do anything the way that we think is the right way to do things to get things done. After humbling himself to become a nobody, he humbled himself even further to a shameful, public, torturous, undeserved criminal's death. The hymn says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what direction would you say Jesus' way goes? Uh, not yet. <laughs> Down, right? This is the opposite of what you would think. Here's God, 
He makes himself a human. He makes himself a nobody human. He makes himself a, essentially a slave to an empire. Then he dies a criminal's death, which he doesn't deserve. That is as low as you can go. But then the way reverses. There's a pivot in verse 9. And another therefore. Therefore, because Jesus didn't take advantage of who he already was by nature, and in fact made himself lower than he was by nature, even to the point of not just dying, but being tortured and executed, God, the Father, exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus knew who he was and whose he was, and because of that, he was free to put himself and his needs and his rights and his even nature on the back burner in order to rescue human beings like us. He was free to trust his father to raise him up. He did not have to try to be somebody or become somebody or worry about people misunderstanding him or, or any of those things. He knew who he was, and so he just went all the way to the bottom, trusting his father to raise him up, not just from death, although that's significant enough, but up to where he really belongs, the one we follow who is fully worth all of our worship. And this hymn says, every knee, eventually every being that exists will acknowledge one way or another that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says he is, who he said he was, who his followers said he is, Lord, God. And I want to, just a little quick aside in my forays that you know that I have on the internet of people who are leaving the Christian faith in some cases. A lot of people do not like this verse because they have always had it interpreted to them as someone's going to come around with a crowbar and smack them in the back of the knees and make them bow to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I never read it that way before either. That's not what this is. This is the reality of Jesus Christ, God the Son of God, taking his rightful place, and everyone, just whether you want him to be God or not, just knowing he's God. And you will not be able to do anything but bow down before him. Because he is worthy. And it is good. He loves us. He went all the way down to the bottom for us so he could be exalted, so we can too. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross, but the way of the cross does not stop at the cross. So 
what does this mean for our relationships with God, but also with one another? This is the sign, remember? Our relationships with one another are the sign for the rest of the world that Jesus is true. So we need to know who we are and whose we are. When we really know that, we don't have to prove anything. We don't have to try to prove anything, except how loved we are because of how we love each other. When you know, this is a real thing, when you know that you are loved, it is so much easier to love other people. So much easier without having to think about yourself at all. Because you are secure. You have the backing. You've got, you've got someone in your corner. Well, we have Jesus in our corner. You are loved. And when you really know that, you are free to truly love each other. You can humble yourself. You can serve others. Not because we're insecure. Sometimes we... We humble ourselves, so-called, or, or serve each other because we actually feel like we're not really worth it and that other person is so much better and, and we just, we're just kind of bad. And that can work for a, really, for a while, but that actually does not lead to good relationships. Better relationships happen when we are secure that we are already loved. And we are much better able to serve each other without looking for anything for ourselves, even to make ourselves feel good by serving, because we're secure in Jesus. And when we are secure in our belovedness, that makes us more convinced of each other's belovedness. I know that Jesus loves me, and so I know Jesus loves you too. And I love that Jesus loves you, and so I'm going to, try to treat you the way that Jesus would because Jesus loves you and me. This is the kind of thing that Paul is trying to communicate here too. We can trust God enough to love each other. Also, we can trust God to exalt us too. I don't think most of us follow Jesus because we are wanting God to exalt us, and that's probably good. But, and we're not Jesus, we will never be exalted to the highest place. Shouldn't be. That's a problem, if, if we were. If that's what we were trying to go for, that, there, we're back at the Garden of Eden, and yeah, that's a problem. But, when we have followed Jesus and been made like him, first of all, we wouldn't want his place but we are his people, made in God's image, rescued from our sin, and transformed into Jesus' image, and so we will share his glory. This is the way of Jesus, too. We follow our Savior to the cross. And, like Lorna, who just left, said, sometimes it's painful. The cross is painful. We are following a Savior who was crucified, but we're also following a Savior who was raised from the dead and exalted, and we follow him that direction too. We will share in his glory. 
look up 2 Corinthians 3.18. That was our very first theme verse when I came here in January 2019. And that talks about sharing in his glory. And then as verse 13 in this passage says, It is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what's God's will? It is, no matter what the situation is, to follow the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, all the way down so he can lift us up. And as we follow that way, becoming like Jesus, we will love like Jesus because we know who we are in him just like he knew who he was in his father, fully loved. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. We love you too, and we want to love you better, and we want to rest in your love so that we can love each other better. We know that this is your will, and so we ask that you will empower us to accomplish it. In Jesus' name, amen.